Okay. Episode 19, Jeremy and Craig. Yep. I'm going to drop the pastor thing today. I don't know why. Yeah. Just feel like... PC, PJ. PC, PJ. That sounds nice. Yep. And uh, so episode 19 of what? Of what? We keep... I always get this at the beginning. I'm like... I feel like I got to have a name. I need a name for this. The Bible Fellowship Podcast or the Sioux Fellowship Podcast is pretty generic. Yeah. Kind of lame. Yep. Not saying that our church name is lame, but you know, it's right. podcasts it's... need to have some little spice. Got to yeah. have a little flavor. Exactly. We need a name. Yeah. We need, but we we're need not some very creative, creative types. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just going to say, <laughs> we've tried and it has not gone well. Right. So yeah, here's what we were thinking is... If you are a regular listener to the podcast, we're looking for suggestions there you of go. names that we can call this podcast. We're going to have a contest. Yeah. We'll have a, let's have a contest. All right. Let's give something away. What's the prize? I don't know. First in line to get the immunization to COVID-19. <laughs> there you go. You get to cut in front Great. of the line. Great idea. First to get the vaccine. Yes. I have and no then, power to do that. No, but yeah. we'll, <laughs> And then we're all going to stand out, stand around and watch. Yeah. See what happens. See what happens. You. Yeah. <laughs> you can be the, the guinea pig. Right. <laughs> okay. Good idea, Jeremy. That was, uh, that was Jeremy's idea. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> yeah. I'm in trouble now. Okay. So what are we going to talk about today? John MacArthur. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know who from our listeners knows who John MacArthur is. Probably... A decent amount of them, I'd imagine, because he's a so. very well-known figure in Grace the to you. evangelical world. Yeah, he runs the Grace to You ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, their website is gty.org, mm-hmm. so grace to you.org. Um, but they use the initials for it. He has been a, a, a stalwart of evangelical Christianity yeah. for a lifetime, really. His father... I believe it, his father pastored that church in California. If that's true, so, I didn't know that, yeah. or I had forgotten, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's been at the same church yeah. in California for, his I don't know, life. 50 years or something like that, a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely one of the most influential figures within the evangelical church in the last 50 years. Right. Very conservative evangelical. So definitely. that's why sometimes he doesn't raise above... Uh, you know, like a lot of people don't don't know. He's not a household name necessarily, but he is among people who have been around fundamental evangelical Christians right. their whole lives. And, and I grew up, John MacArthur was, uh, I have many of his commentaries. Um, yeah, he he's was, written a lot. Yes. I don't know how he's many prolific. books, but he's written, you know, like 70 books, commentaries. They did the MacArthur Study Bible. Yep. He's the yep. one who came out pretty hard against the charismatic movements. Yes. Originally back in I charismatic don't know, chaos. When did he write that? Was that yeah. in the 70s or yeah. 80s? Yeah, it was. But then he rewrote a new one, yep. Strange Fire. That mm-hmm. was like I don't More know, recently. 4 or 5 years ago maybe. Mm-hmm. But he he's uh he's an influence for a lot of people. Definitely. Um and he's been both heavily lauded and heavily criticized by many right because he is not a softy myself included yeah and and fair enough you know he's not he's not a waiver type of person if he's got an opinion he's the kind to double down and let you know and stand his ground on it right so that can be both good and bad right and he does i i mean 
whether I agree with him or not, he can, he certainly could uh, keep his argument. Like he has, he has the ability to argue his case yeah. very eloquently yeah. and thoroughly. And, um, you know, it's, it, I guess what I'm saying is, is that even when I don't agree with him, I find it hard to argue with him. <laughs> yeah. He's a very, he is smart. He's yes. articulate. He knows God's word yeah. inside and out. Now, you, again, you may not always agree with everything, right? but he's back in the news again. That's yes. why we're talking about him here today, yep. because his church in California, so California has um, gone on lockdown again, and they're, one of the things that they uh, put forth was a closure of churches, and the key part, I think, to this whole thing is the term indefinitely. Yes. So they shut down many different quote-unquote, non-essential services, including all churches, indefinitely. So then his church has decided to disobey these orders. Now, he's got a, a, I'm not sure exactly how large his church is. It's in the several thousand range. Oh, yeah. It's three or four thousand, I think. It's it's in that range. And, I mean, he's got a school that they do, like, uh, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of it, Master's University or something like that, anyways. That has been a long running university. Yeah, they've churned out a lot of pastors. So it's a significant thing for this church and this person to decide we are going to disobey the government on this one. And they wrote a statement on why they're doing that, an explanation of it. And so they met this past Sunday at their church, full attendance. And I'd encourage everybody who's listening, you know, if you're interested, go on the gty.org website and read this statement for yourself. It's pretty long, so we decided not to go through the whole thing with it, you know, on air right. here, but we thought we'd summarize a little bit of the key points just to give you some context of where this conversation is coming from. So, when you read it yourself, right. what was your gut impression? What was the first kind of thing that came to your mind? Um, I well, I think the first thing that came to my mind was, is I, I agree with their stance and that may, you know, I don't, I don't know how that bodes with, with our audience or, or with our church or things like that. That doesn't mean that, that I have that uh, kind of influence or that we're deciding anything. I mean, we're, we have the freedom to gather together right now as a church. Yeah, we're and, not in the same context. No. So we don't have to worry about that at this point. Um, but you know, like I said, I've agreed and I've disagreed with John MacArthur at different times. And this is one case where I, I can't disagree with him, especially given that order. Um, I think initially when I first heard about it before I even read what, what he had stated is I thought to myself, this makes gathering together legitimate. Like you, you have to decide if you're going to disobey a civic order like that, that you, that there must be something about your church gathering and the importance and value of it. And I think we've touched on it before at different times in our podcast. Certainly I've talked about it from the pulpit in this COVID time and uh, the value of us being able to gather together. And this just kind of uh, solidifies that in a, in a new way, you know, um, they, it's something that's precious that we're, maybe it's easy for us to let go of it temporarily, 
But when faced with indefinitely, um, these people are willing to take a stand. Right. And that was one of the key arguments of, of his statement, you know, was that this lockdown order is, and that's the verbatim, that's the actual language that Calif- the state of California has used they said. to cease meeting indefinitely, which is a horrible error on their part. I believe so. I think yes. anyways, because obviously like here in Ontario, we've had dates that were given to us when we had our original lockdown. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be at least until this day. And then as we get closer to that day, we'll assess and make adjustments. So at least you had a little bit of a target in mind of how long w- might we be doing this and we'll reevaluate. So that was, I, I feel like a healthier, smarter, wiser approach Rather than just saying, oh, well, you just can't meet until we say so. At some point in the future, whenever that may be, we're not going to give you any clarification on what sort of the parameters would be that would guide that decision. It's just this indefinite. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's a really bold thing to say is mm-hmm. probably. So again, I'd encourage everybody who's listening to go and read the statement because he goes, he makes his good arguments theologically, mm-hmm. not only for the value of gathering together, but also in terms of when you should obey government and when you should not. Because scripturally, there are definitely passages you can point to that explicitly say believers ought to obey governing authorities. Yep. That's a Christian mandate from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Obey your government. However, there are also a handful of places in the Bible where clearly you are to disobey your governing authority. The Probably the most explicit ones you can think of are in the book of Acts when people are told, stop talking about the gospel. You guys right. got to shut up about Jesus. And then exactly. they said, no, nah, we're going to obey God and not man. So you've got to make some discernment in terms of government orders. If, if the church would have obeyed government authorities, uh, we wouldn't exist. Right. Like it, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't, the early church would have never picked up steam there, you know, uh, Stephen uh, wouldn't have been stoned, you know, things like that wouldn't have happened. And, you know, the, even the church, even the, the fact that the church was propagated throughout Asia, the reason that it happened was because of persecution. It forced people out. It, it scattered that early church out into other places where then the gospel got heard from, you know, in new places. So, yeah, I I mean, if there wasn't if, if if civil disobedience was never on the t- that option wasn't on the table, we wouldn't have the church today. Right. I don't I don't believe. So God has actually used civil disobedience to propagate the gospel right. to expand churches, and, and and that's not basically. I mean, basically, we want to get to by the end of this. We're going to talk a little bit more about MacArthur, but what we really want to talk about is is church essential right Right. that's what we want to get to so they they classified in california church as a non-essential service just as they did here in ontario Mm -hmm. when they originally did stage one lockdowns they said non-essential services you know they left open they made a list you know and if you read the list it was it was very ambiguous it was a confusing list there's a lot of things that didn't fit neatly into any category they never said churches were non-essential which was probably a smart move again on their part yeah they they said you know that 
the the services basically they made a list of essential services and if you right. didn't make the list right. then you couldn't be open and that's really how they started it because i remember reading the exhaustive list and you know we kind of figured that uh, we still you and i kept coming to work every day we were on the phone we're you know doing what we do as pastors basically because it said social work um you know, there was uh, things in there about people's mental health and well-being. Exactly. And so we thought, well, you know, we do those things. We may not be certified counselors or those types of things. Right. But what we provide is valuable to people. Right. So we, we kept our operations here in the office, let's say. Low key. C- continuing. Mm-hmm. And we also did very small gatherings, less than five people, to film sermons and to film the worship team and the, and we actually had to put those together because yeah, it was two separate times, meeting yeah. times to do that. Mm-hmm. But we did decide, you know, actually meeting on a Sunday was kind of, it was probably going to get us into trouble. And we figured mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't worth the fight at that time. No. To, and what we knew about it was right. that, you know, it's a dangerous pandemic and we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want to spread that or, or have that kind of impact. So, so I thought that was uh, one of the more interesting parts of the statement that came yes. out from um, from their church because they came out with their statement saying, listen, California gave these orders. We're not obeying them. Then a lot of people pushed back and said, well, why did you obey them the first time? Right. Because they did. When there original. was the original statement mm-hmm. of lockdown, uh, they obeyed it. They didn't gather. So they actually created a sort of like an addendum to their statement and additional at the bottom addressing why did they do it at first and not now. So one of the things that they said in that, and this is a quote now I'm reading from the statement. He said, we are now more than 20 weeks into the unrelieved restrictions. It is apparent that those original projections of death were wrong and the virus is nowhere near as dangerous as originally feared. He also said a little bit before that, um, that it is legitimate for Christians to abstain from assembly temporarily in the face of illness or imminent threat to the public. Exactly. In other words, their mentality at the beginning was, this sounds really bad. Mm -hmm. The projections are really bad. And this is going to kill a lot of people. That's what everybody was saying. Therefore, for the safety of the public, we're going to obey Mm-hmm. But essentially what's now changed their mind is 20 weeks in. Right. We realize that the projections of how severe the virus, the death rates, et cetera, are going to be, were off. Therefore, now we're concluding this is not as nearly the public safety issue it once was, which is interesting. So they're not just saying we're just blindly following the government. Right. They're saying we're kind of thinking independently for ourselves about how legitimate these restrictions are. And they've basically crossed the line now to say, this is not legitimate for you to say it's going to be indefinite because people are dropping and, dead. And and I hear that and I agree with it. I do. But they open themselves up in a little bit of a way to criticism because it's like, oh, you're not medical professionals. You're not, you know, you're not, you don't have your hand on the, on the pulse of what is happening with this disease. You're just watching news media Maybe, you know, and, and then it just becomes an argument. And I think, I think they, that's not necessarily a bad argument. Um, but I would say that you could have 
maybe not made that the centerpiece of your argument and gone more in the direction of it's essential. Church is essential, and it outweighs the danger, whether perceived danger or legitimate danger. In in a lot of ways, it it might outweigh that. I don't know. You know. Yeah. What do you think? Well, they they did make the statement in their most current statement was all about you know it's Christ, not Caesar. Right. That that when the state says, no, no, in churches you can't meet, they're overstepping their God-given boundaries. Mm -hmm. That was their central argument. But then they kind of backtrack a little bit and say, well, it was a voluntary thing because of a public uh, threat, a public safety threat. I don't really know. It's tough to say. It's going to get, well, I mean, now they're in legal trouble because the state has come back to them with a cease and desist order threatening thousand dollar a day fines and arrest and now their their church has yeah those are threats mm-hmm. they haven't Im- implemented it that i know of and the church is now lawyered up so here we go it's going to be very interesting to right. observe from a distance how these arguments get formulated sort of in you know the court of law so to speak um and whether or not that is going to be an issue that is brought up you know you guys are pastors you're elders you're not Doctors, you have. Well, right. Where are you getting this medical advice that this threat is not legit? And now this statement's out; it's on the website. So they're going to have to stand behind it and argue from a legal standpoint somehow that they can do that. Well, one of the, one of the statements that I really loved in there was he was talking. He made he made reference to. Uh, now you weren't sure if that was in here, and, and we didn't go back and look because it's a several page document, right? Um, but I, I seem to recall at one point he's talking about how the church in North America has typically supported and not only financially but in prayer support and things like that, the underground church in China. And so to stand against the government and continue to meet in secret, um, that's something that, that we all get on board, got on board with in another country. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and and so, you know, it's surprising because I find that uh, some other th- articles that I've read and things like that, that not all Christians are on board with MacArthur in doing this. Mm-hmm. And Oh, a lot aren't. That's kind of scary. It, it, to me, it's kind of scary because I think, I think whether we agree perfectly with MacArthur's theology or his teaching, uh, and, and I don't necessarily find anything that I find heretical about what they do. They're not cultic in any way or anything like that. Um, but, you know, just like no matter where we stand on that, we certainly, we had better support a church taking that stand. And the reason that we better is because it's a slippery slope, as we've used that term, and it's way overused, but it is. But it's, it's not a overused. slippery yeah. slope. It's a legit it's like threat. We, we could all go down the tubes under the guise of public safety. Or simply obeying the government under reasonable measures. Exactly. What is stopping the government from using other criteria right. as, oh, you guys are non-essential, this doesn't fit... And maybe it's not public safety. Who knows what other reasons they could come at with, can right. come at churches with, saying, "No, you guys can't meet anymore." I mean, and and in Canadian, the the Canadian Constitution 
or the charters of rights, um, charter of rights. Anyway, you know, it just states in there that you have freedom of conscience and religion. That's it. That's your statement. And, and it also has statements in there that says that the government can usurp some of those freedoms if they find it necessary for, you know, a, a rational good. And so that's, that's so open for interpretation. Yeah, exactly. Big time, right? It's, it's, it's going to end up in the Supreme Court and then you're at the mercy of officials that who knows what their stance or beliefs are. Right. So, so on one hand, there are like the, the theological argument that John MacArthur puts forth, I think is bang on. I don't think you can argue with it. No. The theological argument that Christ is king, we obey God, not Caesar. When Caesar oversteps his bounds, mm-hmm. we disobey the government because we serve God, not well, man. Well, he, he also builds a really good structure there where he talks about how uh, a family, the parents are responsible for their family, the state should not infringe or intrude on that. Right. Um, and we mostly, I mean, I agree with that, but in our society, we've certainly seen a, some overstepping of the state into families and, and into personal lives that way. Right. He also says that the state is responsible for the state and, and for the society as a whole yeah. and things like that. But when it comes to religion that that the head of religion is Jesus. Right. And so we must obey our leader. And that there's these three different areas of sovereignty. Right. So he makes yeah, he talks about, you know, spheres of authority, so yes. to speak, and how they shouldn't cross over into each other's realms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, go read the statement for yourself so you right. can read the exact verbiage and the argument. I thought it was pretty good. I agree with that. There are different spheres of authority and they shouldn't meddle with one another. You know, they deserve to be independent. Mm-hmm. I think God's ordained it that way. Well, whenever you do, you end up with big problems, I think. Absolutely. I mean, that's yep. how that's how the underground church got where they are. Yeah. Is the government decided we're going to meddle in the affairs of the church. We're going to meddle in the affairs of the family. And we're going to set mm-hmm. the rules here. And you have no choice but to rebel against it because it's an overstep of their bounds. Right scary really and we're not there in the same way the true no. underground churches no, no. here in Canada or even in California but going back to the slippery slope right that's i think what we're what we're getting at is there's there is this slippery slope that we could all end up um be, this could affect us sure. the the outcome of something like this can affect us and it, and it affects whether or not the government feels like they have a legitimate reason to shut things down. And I don't think that our government, I mean, I'm not concerned about the Canadian government. I'm not concerned about the U S government saying we want to shut down churches for some reason. But yet on the other hand, I also realize that our enemy who rules this world is always looking for an opportunity and when, you know, the, the perfect storm comes about, uh, you know, it could be this is just a stepping stone to the next time that they need to shut something down. And so it's a pandemic this time, but maybe it's a mass shooting ne- next time that some crazy person claims God told them to do. And we've got to stop religion yeah, in who our knows? country. I mean, you know, it, it's 
you can see how quickly this has changed things and how quickly the government has enacted laws to usurp natural authorities in our society and you know like like private businesses that are just being it's being mandated that they do this or that with their money you know it's uh it's very interesting. I think I said it on a previous podcast, but one of the worst things that has come about from this is the term essential service. Yeah. You know, that the government can categorize you're essential, right. you're not. I think that's a horrible way of looking at things. It's a horrible concept. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly dangerous to put the power into the government's hands to decide you are essential and therefore right. you have your freedoms. You're non-essential, therefore we can dictate what you can and can't do. That is a horribly dangerous thing. I mean, that that's how dictatorship starts. It really is. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we're going to be there in 20 years. It's it's how communism and Marxism Absolutely, starts. yeah. You know. That is it's the beginning of it. Yeah. And the fact that we not only have now seen that, but many people are encouraging it. Right. Like, there are so oh. many people who are like, yes, government... Tell us what to do. Tell these people to stay home. Exactly. So there's this, dare I bring it up, you know, there's a Facebook group that I'm a part of by accident, okay? It always comes down to Facebook. I know. Well, it just gives you a window (laughs) into the soul of humanity. That's what social media does. Right. And it's not a nice look. No. (laughs) There's a Facebook group that's dedicated to keeping the Sioux safe, all right? And it's it's all local people, and it's basically 95% of it is a bunch of people meddling in other people's business. So when this lockdown thing first happened, people were posting pictures of other people in our community, and they're like, I just saw this person walk over to their my neighbor's house, and the two of them came outside and went for a walk. How ridiculous, and this kind of, I called the cops on them and this kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You really think that is a good idea? That we should enforce that kind of power over people's freedoms. That's crazy to me. You just do not appreciate giving that kind of power to the government. Yeah. What that can lead to. You know, this this whole thing started with 9-11. I mean, the modern era of this started with uh, planes flying into the Twin Towers in New York City. and, And the outrage from that caused us all to say we need to be safe we need to be safe and then we got the tsa and we got you know taking our shoes off and our belts off at in in line to get on airplanes we went from being able to board arrive at the airport an hour before and jump on a plane to having to be there two hours three hours ahead of time to go through uh, checks and things like that and what we've done is we continue to give away freedom. And they said it at the time. There were a lot of people that were uh, sounding the siren call of, you know, we're, we're losing our freedoms for the sake of safety. And, and we're doing the same thing in the pandemic. We really are. We're, we're saying it's okay. Take away our freedom because we want to be safe. And, you know, Where's the passage of scripture that talks about they'll be saying peace and safety? Jesus is talking right, about that, right. right? They'll be they'll be crying peace and safety, and that's exactly what we've been doing. Very interesting. You know? So th- this is all we did that Corona Apocalypse podcast way back, mm-hmm. and man, it's just spiraling into that all that more and more. Yeah. And I'm usually not one for like end times conspiracies and being all hyped up about that. 
at the same time, it's like this is fitting together oh, freakishly yeah. well. You're talking about the you know governments coming together, working together, globalism, a united leader. Yeah. It's like cashless societies, all these kinds of yeah. things are. It's oh, like, yeah. well, this is how literally does, happening. How does this promote cashless? Like, oh like yeah, we all just want to tap. Exactly. I get annoyed when I go to the store and they and they don't have tap. It'll say right on there, no tap, and it's like. Come on, it's coronavirus it's here. 2020, yeah, man. Like, let's go. where are we? Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy times that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And you know, I so I, I appreciate MacArthur where he's coming from. I, I I appreciate the stand he's willing to take because they've determined as a local church. Because this, to my understanding, I haven't heard of other churches in California doing this as of yet. Maybe there are. I don't know. But he's willing to say, you guys are overstepping your bounds. In particular, again, this is context dependent, right? Mm-hmm. That's important for everybody to realize. We're not, you and I, just saying, nope. hey, every church in every no. place at all times needs to say to the government, back off. Mm-hmm. There are times and places and situations and contexts where it's appropriate to cede to regulations that are reasonable. Well, and me, they're determining in their context. Right. When you say you guys can't meet indefinitely, right. and you got to look at the context of how many cases are there locally, you know, in their environment. They're not really giving them any options. Right. You know, we have options. Fortunately, we have options. We are also in a building that is so massively big that <laughs> we can house a couple churches in here if we right. wanted Disproportionately to. Disproportionately right. big for our congregation. Right. Yeah. So so we don't have to worry about caps, but some churches do. Smaller churches might be in a situation where they where they have to, you know, cap the number of people or you know, and and a lot of churches even in the states are in that situation where they they have to make reservations to go to church. Right. Things like that. I don't know what we do. We again, we'd have to reassess, but we don't have to worry about it at Bible Fellowship. So not at this point, anyway. I'm grateful for that. Um, would we be able to take the kind of stand that they've taken? You know, a lot of people would say this. They'd say, "Well, why don't you just meet online?" Mm-hmm. And that's really gets us to our our point today. Is why don't why don't you just meet online? I don't know if I jumped ahead in the question and answer part. Not in there, particular. But. No, I mean that that is. That dove, that dovetailed with the idea of essential services, right? Mm-hmm. Is gathering essential right. to the church? Or can we do the same thing via the internet? You know, can we run the same basic ministry um, and just run it through digital means and we don't actually have to be together? So right. how important is it to be together? Because that was definitely, going back to their statement from the church, that John MacArthur pastors, mm-hmm. that was one of the essential arguments. You know, yep. he argued in there that the church, by definition, is an assembly of saints, yep. meaning it's a, that's what it is. It's e- a gathering. Ecclesia right. means assembly. Right. So, so if you were to take away I the think gathering. He, he made the point, how can you assemble, how can you have an assembly, an ecclesia, without assembling? Right. So the, the word we translate as church from the New Testament is ecclesia, which actually means assembly. Right. How can you do that without gathering? I mean, that has very significant implications on what you define to be church. And that, that's important for us to, to think about, mm-hmm. not only here at Bible Fellowship, but for every ch- you know church body across the nation and in the world. What does it even mean to be church? Right. According to the New Testament, that is a literally built into the word definition 
mm-hmm. assembly. That's what the word, when you open your English Bible right. and read the word church, in Greek it is assembly. assembly. That is profound. That mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so to then say, well, we're going to do church without the assembling is mm-hmm. really a contradiction in terms. Mm-hmm. Now, we had to kind of do that here for a stretch of time. Right. And they had what the, what we call here in Ontario stage one lockdown mm-hmm. um, because we were considered a non-essential service and gatherings of, at that time, it was more than five people. There were five in the beginning. was yep. uh, forbidden. So obviously as a church, can't do it. And we managed to put together Sunday services that we could put online. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every other ministry we run came to a dead halt. Yeah. Um, I tried to run youth group for a while through Zoom. You know, we met online, and I did that for I don't remember how many weeks. Kind of to the end of school year, close to of, anyways. Yeah. yeah, tried to make it, um, but of course, it's every, the way everybody has phrased it. It's just not the same. No, right? Doing church online, it's just not the same. Having our youth group on everybody's, you know, these tiny little faces on my right. screen. <laughs> And we're all talking over each other and I'm muting people. Right. And it's just not the same. It's It was better than nothing, I guess. <laughs> but it was draining. Oh, and exhausting. It, it was not, yeah. like you just didn't get that same kind of encouragement. Every meeting I had on Zoom was just exhausting. Yeah. It, it really was. It was yeah. just not cool. No, no. So but it was something. We, did, we were able to do something. And as a temporary measure... Fine, that's that's great. I'm glad to do that. Um, you know, certainly people are scared. Uh, we're not trying to make we, statements. And we here. didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't. To be we fair, that was early idea. enough. Right. That was early enough that we were looking at. Was it Italy? I think yes. when they were at peak. Exactly. Um, that, that, if I'm not mistaken, timeline wise, that's roughly around the time Ontario said, "Okay, we're not, we're not meeting. Right. We're closing schools, Shutting and things churches, down. and all that stuff." Yep. And based on what you were looking at from a distance on the other side of the world, you're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what is this thing? Like, it looks right. horrible. Right. So there, you could see the wisdom in doing that, even though it really wasn't present here at that time. And to be honest, it's still not present here right. in our community, but you could see the wisdom of it. Mm-hmm. Now, Ontario, where we live, has slowly rolled back those measures because things have been more or less, pretty under control. Mm-hmm. You've got a little bit of a spike that happened down in Toronto in particular. Mm-hmm. Obviously, population density, right. big problem. And one of the things, to their credit, that they did over time is they started to look at it more regionally. You know, mm-hmm. they loosened restrictions for Ontario but kept them tighter in the urban areas of Toronto and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was I thought, a reasonable approach. You know, that's part of the reason we didn't feel the need to disobey the government. We saw what they were doing. It, it right. seemed to be pretty close to being As long as we to continue to work together and feel like we're being considered, you know, yeah. then there's no reason to get, you know, worked up about it. And Ontario also had end dates given out, mm-hmm. right? Unlike they the context. Always, they never right. said indefinite. Right. So I can understand where they're coming from down in mm-hmm. California. You know, I can understand the, the context. The situations are, are well, you, quite you different. You also have to understand that the. I don't know if I'm. I don't. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn with this, but 
California generally is a little bit more hostile toward conservative evangelical uh, churches. In fact, Craig, that was an it, understatement. I know, I know. <laughs> You're trying well, to be I nice. I don't want to throw them under the bus, but you know, we we both talked about this. They're not a little Texas. earlier. Yeah. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> we we talked about it earlier that we can't figure, we can't believe that MacArthur has survived that long in California. Yeah, it honest. is a strange. It's, he's a fish out of water. He there. is definitely. He doesn't fit in uh, Los Angeles area, but. Anyway, so even though the church gathering is essential, and I think you can make that argument simply by definition, gathering mm-hmm. is essential. Right. You cannot be, you cannot be the church by yourself, if right. you want to put it that way. Right. You've got to, church by definition is God's saints in some kind of gathering. Now, how that looks can be quite varied. I mean, you can gather as maybe you know they're doing i mean their church is like three four thousand people whatever it is yep. you can gather like that mm-hmm. you can also gather in small groups. 10 people at a time in in homes across the city mm-hmm. and i think you can make easily the you argument that both are assembly. both are mm-hmm. legit they fit the biblical criteria for an assembly it's basically like you can't just you just can't be the church by yourself right so that does give you at least a good amount of flexibility in terms of how you can operate a church, even under lockdown measures. And we have, we even looked at that at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once they expanded the home gatherings from five to 10 yep. here in Ontario, it was like, well, now you can probably have two, maybe three families, you know, or couples or whatever. I suggested things like maybe watch parties for our right. live services. So we still do like live, that. but people gather mm-hmm. in homes because then there's that gathering. There's some kind of happening gathering element, even though you keep going back to it's just not the same. It's still better. It's a step up from doing it by yourself at home. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, we have not really needed to do that because we basically jumped straight from um, doing it at home exclusively to being in person. And I'm thankful for that, that we haven't had that dilemma. Obviously, there are still people currently who are not here in attendance for right. various reasons that are all legitimate. Mm-hmm. And some of them have chosen to do it in watch party format or just at home by themselves based on their context. Yep. It's all good. Right? Oh yeah. We're That's not here fine. to complain yeah. about any of that stuff. No. It's all good. We've done our best. I think we've done well to honor Christ and honor his church while yeah. working with Obeying. a government, yeah. right? That seems relatively reasonable mm-hmm. at least here but i think that again these are context dependent things if ontario were to take a more californian approach and say nope you guys are going to stop meeting indefinitely which that we would, could get that another would maybe wave change. we could get like you know we could get a bunch of cases here in Sault Ste. Marie i think i mean i don't want to I don't want to make anybody fearful because I don't think we should be fearful of this thing. I really don't. But I wouldn't be surprised not one bit that we have 10, 15, 20,000 cases here in Sault Ste. Marie at some point in time where we, we are under this, we're under this uh, perception that we're somehow going to stop a pandemic from ever touching our shores. And, it's just I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that's going to happen. I don't I don't think we're going to get 
some kind of uh, vaccine for this thing uh, before it tends to spread through our community as well. Even if you get a vaccine, you know for sure there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to take it because well, they're skeptical. Yeah, and so right. what does that do? You know, that, that still opens up the possibility of it right. coming here. Right. There, so so we may be faced with these kinds of decisions is all right. I'm saying. At, I, I, mean, don't, I don't really want to get into speculation. Well, though. no, but at some point the thing is going to spike here in Sault Ste. Marie where we serve. So. It, it's got to come at some point, you assume. At, and and maybe, like you say, maybe it actually already has been within our community. We didn't realize it. It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. I don't know these things. I don't have the answers. But we've done, quote unquote, so well mm-hmm. at flattening the curve. Because right. that was what the original language was all about. Right. Flatten the curve. Well, yeah. our curve is so we flat. Have, it, 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 it doesn't even exist. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't <laughs> exist in our community. Right. Which lets me believe at some point we're going to start to see local cases shoot up and um and then of course you know local authorities may change their measures right and we may have to go back into a more lockdown approach again you mm-hmm. know back to online ministry and probably it would be a legitimate response that's not well here's one of the cool i think the important things for us to highlight it's not actually up to you and me no. To decide the direction of our no, church. No, no. Not so at all. we don't have that kind of a setup here where you and I call all the shots. No. Or even where you call all the shots and I just fall in line and everybody else falls in line. That's not how our church operates. No. We operate from a plurality of elders. Mm-hmm. You and I make up two of the elder team. Yep. We each have one vote. And if the other elders vote against us, we lose. Yeah. I mean... So, I mean, yeah. that, that's a legit possibility. And the, and we don't and the even way that vote. works is... We really don't even no, vote. No, we don't. We don't. We discuss and we come to a conclusion, a consensus right. uh, between all of us. We don't We don't vote. I don't I don't know as we've ever raised hands in an elders meeting. I've, I've never we, done it. We have a conversation and, um, and here's the thing. We pray about it. We ask God to speak to us individually. And we trust that the Spirit of God is moving in each one of his leaders that he's brought to this church. And so that's how Christ leads this church. Right. Is we try and sense and discern the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God is telling us to do. And I I don't think you and I have any idea of what the future might hold for our church. And therefore, we haven't really discussed Here's no. what we're going to do in case X, Y, or Z. We have no need to right now. Right. We will take it as it comes. That was that may be one of the stronger criticisms I would have with mm-hmm. the letter that MacArthur wrote because towards the end of it, he invites other churches to join him in obeying Christ and standing up to the government. And I, the one thing I didn't like about that is it frames it in a way that if any churches there disagree right. with him, that they're somehow... Uh, I, I heard like one, bending over to the government. Yeah, I heard one uh, one article that I read. They framed it this way that that basically MacArthur was accusing churches that do fold or uh, bend to the uh, government's legislation that they're they have poor shepherds. Yeah, they're and compromising. They're not, they're not shepherding their people properly. I, d- I didn't like that because he's assuming that every church context within California is the same as his. Right. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. There are a variety of factors that might go into 
why you would or would not obey that mandate. He did a great job, I thought, of explaining their church perspective. I don't necessarily think that that's wholly universal, though, in every church, like in, like I'm talking individual local churches, either in California or anywhere else. They have different leaders. Those same leaders, ideally, you assume, are working together as a team for their local churches and praying and seeking God's will, and they may come to a different conclusion. And who's to say necessarily that it's not legitimate? Yeah, and there's a lot of smaller churches that are just flying under the radar anyway. Right. Like the government of California is not worried about 25, 30, 50, 100 people in a church building. It raises the it raises their awareness because we're talking three, four, or five thousand people gathering together every Sunday morning is not, you know that that's something that may they they they, they fear right? They oh, fear for that. sure. Um, so anyway, it's I mean, all. I I recently preached on a passage in First Corinthians chapter four, and in it, the Apostle Paul gives the command to that church that they should aspire to live quietly and to mind their own business, work with their hands so that they can provide for themselves and walk properly before outsiders. Now that is interesting. A few things about that are interesting. He says, mind your own business and live a quiet life. And then the reason he gave in the next verse was one of the reasons is so that you can walk properly before outsiders. Now, the reason I bring that up is because you've got to weigh this out. On one hand, as a church, as the church, we are called to obey Christ and not man. That's a fundamental theological principle from God's word that both you and I agree with, and probably every Christian everywhere ought to agree with. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, that that point there, he's talking about the fact that remember that people are watching you. You know, remember that you as a church represent me and the outside world is looking at your behavior. And he's actually arguing there, aspire to live quietly and mind your own business and be peaceful. And that that is part of our witness to our community. So you've got to weigh the options, you know, in terms of, okay, we have to know that if we look at the government, write a public statement, whatever, and say, we're not doing what you say. Mm-hmm. That also communicates a message to the outside world. And you've got to be careful about that message. Are you conveying to them truly that we obey God and not man? And this is like, it it could be a preeminence of Christ thing. Or you could just be communicating, we're proud, we're obnoxious, we don't care what's, we don't care about other people, we don't care that there's a threat. We don't care that this is going to go against the conscience of people in our community, the very people we want to reach. Like there is a tender balance there, which is why, again, why I say each church needs to decide for itself because they may have different factors mm-hmm. at play as to why they may or may not want to go one route or another. Well, it was even a few weeks ago we had been discussing it among the elders of how just because we can open up, does that mean that we should? Um, And what would be the ramifications if, um, you know, if, uh, for instance, we had an outbreak of it in our church and and we were, you know, 
continuing to meet together just because the government says you can doesn't mean that our community that we're trying to reach is going to be, you know, what their response to that information might be. And I think we made a wise choice, a thoughtful, thoughtful choice. The, of course, we learned some more information that Algoma Public Health was not going to, you know, it wasn't going to be intrusive into people's lives. They were, there's a threshold of just because you're at the church here doesn't mean that they're assuming that everybody's infected or anything like that, that there's a threshold of amount of time that you spend around somebody without a mask within six feet. And then they're going to interview people and try and ascertain who needs to be tested and who doesn't. And that kind of set our fears at ease a little bit that there was a, they, they had already thought through a process to deal with that. And, um, because again, we don't want to, the very people that we're trying to reach, we don't want to make ourselves unnecessarily an enemy of them for whatever reason, because there's a lot of fear in our town. I think we have more fear in our town because we don't have any cases. I think that if we, there'd be more familiarity with it if we were dealing with a lot of cases around it. At least that's what I see, for instance, of my family in Michigan. They're surrounded by people that have this. Or and, have had or it. Or have had it. Right. And, um, you know, we're in the thousands and thousands of people in their communities. And they're not afraid of it because they've seen a great, 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 you know, a, a vast majority of these people get it and get well or have very little symptoms and things like that. And it's like that actually helps you understand it better. Right now, we don't understand it. We understand it the least, I think, here in Sault Ste. Marie because we just don't really see enough of it. It's like you're scared of what you don't know. Yeah. Right? That's how that's, that's how scary better. that's how scary movies that would be work. A more, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> it's like the monster that you don't know that they right. don't show is the one where you're like hearts pounding out of your chest. You're right. waiting for something to jump out at you. That's right. the scary part. So here's the thing, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Can can we sit, you know, cuz here's the question that some pr- people might have. And this isn't a question meant to motivate people to leave their living rooms and show up here on church on Sunday morning, although we would love to see everyone. Um, but we do have, a, you know, a f- kind of a split com- congregation where there are people that aren't comfortable yet gathering together, or maybe they have other concerns, uh, their job requires them, whatever, that, that they can't be in a place like this on a Sunday morning. That doesn't mean that they're less of a Christian. It doesn't mean that they're doing the wrong thing. They're making their own choice, and that's great. But the other side of that coin is, again, how essential is it to be in church? Yeah, I mean, I would I would want to encourage those people who have not been able to return for one reason or another to be confident in that decision but not happy about it. And I guess what I mean yeah. is to feel like I'm doing Good what I need to, to do because of whatever. To. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm immunocompromised and I don't want to expose myself. I have family members that are, again, you mentioned job. That's one thing I've heard people mention. Mm-hmm. So your your reasons may be totally legitimate. Therefore, mm-hmm. I support you. You know, yep. I'm, I'm not condemning you no. in one 
iota. You're making the right choice and we stand behind you and we stand with you. However, I would also love to know that you're like, man, I really wish I could be there. Yeah. I really, I know that this is not ideal. I know that this is something that is causing me to have less of an experience in my faith than if I could be gathered together with God's people. I think that is, that, that would be a demonstration of a great attitude, a great mindset to have, you know, um, that, that, that's reflected in my mentality up until I was able to come back to church. You know, it was really like, I miss it. I miss those people. I miss seeing them. I miss that interaction. I didn't even realize it until I got back here. I mean, I, I did, I knew, I knew there was something missing. I obviously as a pastor, I want to see people and, you know, be back to normal. That's, that's the big thing. But, but I really noticed it the first first time coming back actually every time coming back yeah. i'm a lot more grateful especially when you see a new person mm-hmm. that, that's their, it's their first time returning yeah it's exciting know, to see them and it's great to it is. to talk to them and catch up yeah. and even if these are people you've had some contact with on the phone or on the internet or whatever to see them in person it's yeah. just not the same and i mean if you want to illustrate that point it's like okay do you lo- love your relationship with jesus yes mm-hmm. Do you long to see him face to face? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's this is not enough. Right. You feel yeah. like this is great, but it's not enough. Yeah. Not until I'm face to face with him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same with God's people. Mm-hmm. That same principle. God has, I don't really know how to explain it. I'm not sure if there's a theological term that describes the value, the importance that God has placed. Well, I mean, the only thing I could think of is it's not good for man to be alone. He mm. made us. We are for community beings. Yeah, yes. that that is written into the fiber of who we are, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to describe that in theological terms. It's just real, yeah. and you don't know it until you lack it. You know, until you don't have that, and it's taken away from you, and it's like a breath of fresh air. So, again, I, I want to encourage our people to make decisions based on your own situation. Everybody's situation, their context is different, their reasons are different, and I support you all the way, depend no matter what, where you're coming from. Yep. But we definitely cannot get comfortable with this idea of, eh, I'll go, maybe not, maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's optional. I got other things I want to do. This you know, this all hit at the summertime too. Right. Right. Where it's right. like, wow, it's, there's camp and there's vacation and there's beach and it's yep. nice. So, you know, yep. there's a lot of things I could be doing. Yep. You got to be real careful, you know, yeah, that, I that think, you don't fall I into. I think at first you get the idea that, hey, we can substitute with um, television, online, internet, looking at a screen. Yeah. And having this person on the other side of the world, maybe, that is speaking. And you can learn. You can understand the Bible better. All those things are true, but you don't have the interaction that is, I think, just a it's it's a it's a supernatural part of this relationship that we have with Christ when we see each other in the flesh that are all representatives we carry the body of Christ with us you know i was just just reading this in acts um where paul meets jesus i i heard a commentator that he made this statement he he said uh he said that it's interesting because Paul is the one that emphasizes this idea of the body of Christ. 
Why does he call it the body of Christ? Why do we take Christ with us? He talks about how Paul talks about we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We've got God living in us. All these issues or all these ideas stem from Paul's writings. Why did why did why was Paul oriented that way? And if you go to when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus says this to him. He says, "Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?" Mm, right. And that, that's an interesting statement. And and if you know the context of it, yeah. he was persecuting the church, the church, right? But right. Jesus saw it as persecuting himself me. personally, right? And so. You know, it, that that was an interesting uh, connection that this guy made to that. And I, I just thought, wow, that's, you know, that's true. I mean, we we carry with us the body of Christ. So could you we, not could you not then make that theological argument that to be apart from your brothers and sisters of Christ is in some form or another to have to less of Jesus. Yeah, to be apart yep. from yourself, to be mm-hmm. apart from Christ. Right. If the church is christ on earth mm-hmm. the physical representation of christ on earth exactly and to be apart from it is you know you're you're cut off yep. that's it's one of the reasons i mean tactics that have been used to persecute the church throughout human history always mm-hmm. begin with scattering yep they always begin with dividing people groups like trying to shut down a church and scatter people away from one another because if mm-hmm. you can get them away you can kind of sap their power, you yep. know, you can take their resolve, you know, that's how you dishearten and discourage Divide and them. conquer, right? That's always yep. been a tactic of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so the reverse, of course, is Christian unity. Right. And that, that unity, that bond between us, like you say, it, it is supernatural. There's a way in which you can't explain it. There's something that goes on right. that is not really able to be put into words. But when you're a part of it and you can experience it, you just you just know that you need that. Right. And so I I recognize again there are legitimate reasons why people Oh yeah. might not be able to experience that in the full. I hope that we don't forget about those people. We need no. to do what we can right to try and stay connected and and, yep. and create and I've ways been, to I've been trying to make some phone calls, just at least talk to some people yeah. uh that I haven't seen in a long time and I encourage all of our listeners uh, you may not go to Bible Fellowship Church, but you go to another church, and maybe there's people that you haven't seen in a while. Call them. Call them. Talk to them. Find out what's going on in their lives. Pray with them. You know what? Whatever. Let me give you another idea that we, you and I talked about. I think it might have been on Tuesday morning, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of days ago. Write them a letter. Yes. We got a letter yes. from one of our older church member couples, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was a handwritten Actually, note. Actually, we've gotten several from Yeah, them. this isn't yeah. the first one, right? right. But all through this experience, because yes. they can't be here, they've yep. been writing handwritten letters and mailing it to the church. Yes. yes. You know, and, and we get to, to read their handwritten note. And there's something about that. There is. That is really touching. We were talking really about touching. that. It's just It's like, not a text. Yeah. It's not like, oh, shoot you yeah. a quick text. It's, I sat down and took the time I, to and think I about you. And I wrote it by hand. Yeah. You know, that, that takes... A significant effort, thought and effort. It's so, a bit of an old school approach, yeah. but that maybe is the very what thing. In, what went into it? Yeah, and that's it, actually what makes it special. Mm-hmm. Is the effort yep. that went into that and the thought. Yep. And so, I would even encourage people, you know, do that. Yeah, you know, send someone a letter and let them let them it's, know. It's you a like if you handwrite it too. It, in a way, it's they like you're giving it. them. 
you're giving them a little more of your personality. Yeah, sure. You know, they, they get to feel or sense your personality a little bit more. And you're like, well, nobody could read my handwriting. Well, listen, the way you scribble is is a significant. I mean, there's a reason we call it a signature. And it's, it's unique to you. Mm. And that can be valuable to people. So maybe that's another way to just you know, like add a personal touch that's missing when you, when you're just staring at a screen or when you're just listening to somebody's voice digitally over a phone or a podcast. Right. (laughs) You know, I, I think a last thing that goes along with what we were just talking about is, uh, you asked me early on in the podcast, what was my initial thought when I read this letter or this, yeah, by MacArthur, this statement by MacArthur, and the thing that, that struck me the most was his passion in talking about the church gathered together, singing, worshiping, communion, sharing communion together, doing these things that we have done. I mean, I've done it since I was a child. Um, and so part of me, there's a part of me that says, oh, let's not get caught up in religion. I'm, I'm a big I'm not a big fan of religion, but yet there's another part of me that understands that these things have been a part of my life, my whole life. They are, they are ingrained and entrenched with, um, my Christian faith and walk. They, they have there, they have been there. These elements, if you will, um, have been there in good times and bad times in times where I've seen Christ work uh, significantly in my life and other times where I didn't know if he was, if he was even there. And it's just, you know, it's, it's similar to like a hymn. One of the reasons people struggle with letting go of the old hymns is because those hymns became important and significant to them in times of great difficulty, maybe, or, in times of incredible growth where they discovered something about Christ that, you know, or saw him work or move in a, in a miraculous way. And so those things become a part of our, they're imprinted in us. And so not being able to gather together, that, that was an impression I got as MacArthur's talking about all these different elements that they do that, that are being sequestered by the state and, um, you know, I think that's, I think that's valuable. Like it, it's just valuable. Those things bring us back. Those things strengthen our walk with Christ because they remind us and they're, they're, they're reminders, they're constant reminders of our, who we are as followers of Christ. If I'm honest, it makes me listening to you talk about that. makes me think of Sunday night service growing up as a kid mm-hmm. because I, you know, in Sunday night service, they had no Sunday school. So we <laughs> sat in the service and we had these big wooden pews at our church. And oftentimes I'd be sitting there or lying down on the pew, right, yes. like enduring, you know, yes. just like my parents drug me to church for Sunday service. And it was something you just had to endure. And of course, at that time, I didn't want to be there. I would have rather been doing something else. I kind of look back on those memories though with a lot of fondness, uh-huh. you know, and feel like it was it was important. My parents were showing me something yeah. in that decision of yeah. going there, even though it was not my favorite thing to do. That this is important, 
that there is value to this. I'm thinking it probably wasn't your parents' favorite thing to do because you were squirming oh, around. The yeah. whole oh yeah, they, they had a whole had a whole pew of us. Right. My parents had six kids. We were all in this together. You know, so we probably right. spread out on a bunch of different pews and right. we bring in our coloring books. And stuff. Right. <laughs> it was interesting, but we, you know, I I just feel like that that did it. It did ingrain in me mm-hmm. something. That was valuable, and it, it just showed me that this is important. Right. This is something that we do as a family. This is something that we're committed to, and you know, you cannot manufacture that other ways. In right. some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. So there's a, there's value in those traditions. Mm-hmm. You know, I still look back on that. That was a family tradition we had, and it's made it. It has made an impact on me. I know it has. And, you know, MacArthur's talking about things that maybe even are more central, mm-hmm. um, just church experience in general, Sunday mornings and the gathered together assembly of believers, the singing of those songs. Communion. You can't, you know, like, okay, I'm not much for singing. Mm-hmm. It's not my thing. I'm not good at it. You know, make a joyful noise. It's a noise <laughs> when I sing. Nobody around me appreciates it. Um, but, man, I love being in the congregation yeah. singing, you know, I, I love when everybody else is engaged in worship. Yeah. That's, that's as much as I still jam out to Jesus music on my own time sometimes <laughs> and, you know, have my own little worship session there with the Lord kind of thing. Yeah. It's not the same. No. It, it brings a different dynamic. There's all these different ways in which being together brings a different dynamic that is God ordained. Yeah. He's designed it that way for our good. I agree. And I'm I'm learning that more and more every day through this pandemic. I really am. I'm I'm finding out the the value and how precious it is to me personally and um so you know what? I mean, God has his reasons for all these things that are happening that we're going through. I pray for John MacArthur and his church out there. Um I'm you know, secretly a little excited that somebody is standing up and saying things like, you know, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. I mean, I'm like, somebody's got to start. Go, know. go get him, John. Yeah. Somebody has got to say the emperor doesn't have any clothes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And, and I don't know how it'll all turn out and I don't know if he's right or wrong, but I do know that he feels that he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, and I shouldn't say he, their church is doing what they need to do. And, um, I'm, I'm happy for them because we need freedom ultimately to continue to worship and be able to worship freely as, uh, as the Lord leads us. So anyway, I'm glad for that. I hope that this is, I I know, I know Jeremy had an outline that he started and I don't think, I think we jumped all over it again. But I think it was uh, hopefully helpful and encouraging to you, and I, I believe it is. It's exciting to just be able to talk about some of these things. It's exciting to have a church family to be able to worship together with, and I'm more grateful for it than ever before right now. So anyway, I Amen. hope that you have a blessed week, and until next time, uh, may God be with you and continue to pray uh, for our world that we live in.